Do you have a copy of God's Word? And I hope you do. Uh, you can go ahead and get that out or turn that on or, or, or whatever works for you um, to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Um, this week, we're going to be continuing our series um, called Spring Psalms. And if you were here last week or you tuned in online with us last week, uh, you noticed um, that our very own Sam Tam began that series for us uh, with Psalm 121 last week. Well, now we're going back to the beginning of the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 1 is, is where we're going to start. Um, and I'd like to read you the introduction to the Psalms. That's, uh, it can be found in the ESV Bible that I teach from um, each and every week. And, and this is what it says. It says, the book of Psalms is filled with the songs and prayers offered to God by the nation of Israel. Their expressions of praise, faith, sorrow, and frustration cover the range of human emotions. Some of the Psalms dwell on the treasure of wisdom in God's word. Others reveal the troubled heart of a mourner. Still others explode with praise to God and invite others to join in song. This diversity is unified by one element, they are centered upon the one and only living God. This creator God is the king of all the earth, and he's a refuge to all who trust in him. And so to be clear, today we're going to focus on the creator God, our king, the same God who saves us, the same God who redeems us. He also blesses us with innumerable blessings, both in this life and in the life to come. And so kids, if you're listening, uh, Sunday Word, uh, we're taking pretty much any, any variety of blessed or blessed or something like that. Um, additionally, Psalm 1 shows us two very different ways to live. It shows us the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. So you could call this psalm a tale of two people for sure. But it could also be the tale of one person who walks as one who is wicked before they are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so let's jump into the text together. Um, if you're at home, read along with us. Uh, it, um, if you're here in person, the words should be on the screen as well. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's three questions that I want to, to ask and answer, and, and we can work through together today. The first one is this. Question one. Who is the blessed person? Who is the blessed or blessed person? So what does it mean to be blessed? We can define blessing as living a life in the will of God, where God's favor is being lavished upon us. A blessed life is a life that's filled with joy in God and thankfulness to God. In fact, being blessed itself is a gift that's given to us by God. And so having a blessed life means that your life has purpose and has meaning that can be found in the God of the Bible, and his name is Jesus. When you're blessed by God, you're declared righteous, and you're given a new life that begins the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And so who's the blessed person of Psalm 1? Because um, remember, Psalm, the, the book of Psalms is written in the Old Testament, all right? So, so this is written down before the time of Christ. Who's, who's the blessed person in Psalm 1? Well, to answer this, 
we should always, if we have questions about the Bible, we should look to the Bible for our answers to those questions. Um, to answer this, let's take a look at what it says. First, the verse is actually laid out in the negative. And so it's showing the opposite of a person who is blessed by God. So take a look at what it says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so many Bible scholars here actually point something out that's pretty interesting. It says that if you look at those three lines, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, it said there's a progression there in thoughts and actions that actually show a person's movement away from the Lord, away from God. It's a slow movement, but it can also sometimes be a slippery slope that we're actually warned to avoid. And so here's, here's, what, here's what I see when, when, when we lay this out. Here's the steps of departure. First, it says you, you're in the counsel of the wicked. <laughs> you listen to the wicked. <laughs> you take their advice. You take their cues on how to live your life. You begin to associate with and seek out your answers to the big questions in life from places that are outside of God and his word. That's the first kind of step. Then it says next, a person might stand in the way of sinners. And this literally means that you will take a stand with them. And one Bible scholar noted, their sinful lifestyle becomes your lifestyle. Their attitude is your attitude. And their habits become your habits. And lastly, uh, the Bible says here um, that you become a scoffer. Um, scoffer is not a word we use a lot. Um, it, it comes from the root word of scoff or to scoff. It's someone who scoffs at God and those who follow God. So, so, so that's obviously like the last step, right? Um, it says at this stage, you begin to call what is good evil and what is evil good. And the Bible says that those who live in this way, those who continue on down that, that progression, will not be blessed, but instead will be the opposite of blessed, um, which if you know your Bible, you know is cursed. But church, we have a problem. <laughs> because none of us can claim to be free from sin, can we? So the Bible says that if you were born into this world, you were born into sin, and you are a sinner. And I think if you know, if you're listening online or you're here in person, you, you know and you understand in your own life, at some point, all of us have sinned. All of us on some level have walked in the counsel of the wicked. We've stood in the way of sinners, and we've sat in the seat of scoffers, perhaps. And therefore, according to Psalm 1, 1 we would be unable to be blessed because of our sin. But what's interesting is the blessed man that's described here in Psalm 1 has never sinned. And so who could this apply to? Again, this was written in the Old Testament. So ancient Jewish people, they would have read this. They would have read this verse, and they would have thought notably about their spiritual fathers. They would have thought about people like Abraham, Moses, David, and, and, and they would have asked the question, hey, is this who someone's talking about? These great, these great spiritual fathers of the Old Testament. Um, but then they would have realized if they knew their Bible and they read their Bible and they knew the stories of, of, of those people, they would go, hmm, those people sinned. <laughs> All of them. Abraham sinned. Moses sinned. David sinned. Uh, why did they sin? Because they're human. <laughs> and therefore, Psalm 1-1 would have caused them to not look backwards um, to, their, to their ancient past, but they would have looked ahead. They would have looked ahead to a Messiah, to a sinless Savior, 
to somebody who had no sin, to somebody who was free from sin, and they would have said, oh, that person must be the one that Psalm 1-1 is, is, is talking about, or, or that person would meet the standard for, Psalm, for blessing in, in, in Psalm 1-1. And church, here's the great news. We don't, we don't live in the time of the Old Testament. Um, we don't even live in the time of, of when the New Testament was written. We live 2,000 years later, and we, can, and, and we actually have the advantage. We can look back and we go, oh, man, I think I see some good news here. Um, we know in the beginning of the New Testament, we encounter, there's a person we encounter, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, and he is the Son of God, and he never sinned, and he was blessed by God, the Scriptures tell us. And we go, whoa, 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 like that, maybe that's who this is talking about. And if you look at the words of verse 2, um, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Jesus fulfilled those words. Jesus found delight in the law of the Lord and God's law. And on God's law he meditated day and night. And Jesus actually fulfills the law of God perfectly. And the Bible tells us that he receives the blessing of his heavenly Father God. Jesus delighted in God. He delighted in doing God's will and doing the will of his heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, church, is the blessed man of Psalm 1. And that's good news for us, and here's why. Because Jesus lived a sinless life. Because Jesus, because he loved us before we ever loved him. Because Jesus died on the cross in our place. Because Jesus took the punishment for our sin on himself. And because Jesus rose again on the third day, offering forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who place their faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior. Because of that Jesus church, all the blessings of Psalm 1 become ours. I mean, can I get an amen? Like, 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 like they become ours. Like because of Jesus, they become our own. We get the benefit of the blessing. Jesus gives us his righteousness and his obedience, his sinlessness, is actually credited to our account. Think like in terms of a banking transaction, right? You turn in a bunch of bad receipts and IOUs and things that bounce and all that, and Jesus, instead of all that, Jesus takes all that, and he credits righteousness, and he credits his, his, his sinless nature to your account. Uh, the Bible says that when we become a follower of Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, who actually helps us to obey him, to turn away from sin, and therefore we can live in the blessing of Psalm 1. And so church, the blessed person of Psalm 1, it can be us <laughs> because of Jesus Christ. Question two, what is the blessed life? So I've already, I've already kind of run ahead a little bit. I've started talking about the blessed life and, and, and how we can re receive that blessing and how we can live in that. Um, but let's talk specifically about what that is and what that means. Um, if you browse on social media, uh, raise your hand if you've ever been on social media. All right, yeah, most, okay. And mad respect for those who haven't. Mad respect, I, I see you. Um, if you browse social media, even a little bit, you'll see a lot of posts that have the hashtag blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. Woke up this morning. Hashtag blessed. Got a new car. Hashtag blessed. Like, right? Right? We've seen things like this. Like, like I, I, ran down the, I ran down the steps of the train, and the train was right there. Hashtag blessed, right? And I actually made it in um, before they shut the door in my face. Um, hashtag blessed, right? And, and, and a lot of those posts contain maybe some humorous things, right? Um, but overall, they contain content that gives us a pretty, like, actually lousy view of what blessed actually means. 
if we compare it to what the scriptures say. And so church, rather than searching Instagram, TikTok, Twitter uh, for answers um, to what it means to be blessed, let's actually see what God's word says in Psalm 1 about the blessed life. Uh, go ahead and read with me verse 3. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Now, church, some religious leaders, um, they'll tell you something along the lines of this. A sign of God's favor or a sign of God's blessing in your life is directly linked to money or to beauty or to health or something like that. Um, they will also falsely promise, falsely promise that if you give to their ministry or you become part of a following um, that follows them, that God will bless you with immense wealth or above average looks or a longer, healthier life or some other material fill-in-the-blank object, bigger house, newer car, new job, new relationship, you fill in the blank. Um, but church, that is a warped view of what it means to be blessed. And a false gospel is preached anytime somebody tells you that God's greatest desire for you is that you be rich. A false gospel is, is preached if it, anytime you hear somebody say, hey, God's desire for you is that you're rich, all right? That is not what the Bible means specifically when it's talking about blessing. And so in Psalm 1, verse 3, the scriptures show us what it means to be blessed and to prosper. The blessing of God is actually shown, according to what the Bible says, it's shown in the way God intentionally cares for our lives. We are like a tree planted by streams of water, and we will yield fruit in season, is what the scriptures say. Here's what this means. Our blessing comes from the fact that God promises to care for us. He promises to supply us with life-giving water, um, and it, like, that's a metaphor meaning himself. He is, he is the life-giving water. He, he, he promises to never leave us, to never forsake us, and he promises us that we will bear fruit as we grow in our relationship with him. We are like a tree planted by streams of water. And it says, and all, that, and all that this blessed person does, he prospers, right? And just to be clear, the prosperity mentioned here in verse 3 is the prosperity of God's gift of blessing on their lives. Again, this is not money, but it's a blessing of righteousness and the gifts of a righteous life. Things like peace, wisdom, joy, Things that, things that only can come from the Lord, right? That cannot come from material things. And church, furthermore, the blessing is on God's terms and according to God's ways. And to use the metaphor in this verse, God is the gardener. I, I, I know oftentimes we, we sing a song here. Um, I'm not the best musical person, but it goes something like, um, God, God, is a, uh, God is the potter and, and we are the clay. Well, in this metaphor, God is the gardener, right? And we are the tree that he plants that he waters, and that he grows. The fruit comes in its season. And so it's not always, when, like, like we don't always see the fruit when we want to see the fruit. We don't always feel the fruit when we, when we want to feel the fruit, right? It's not always visible to us, but it comes in its season um, that God determines, right? And so I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're sitting here in person or you're joining us online today, and you feel like you are in a really hard, tough season right now. I want to encourage you. If you think the fruit right now is difficult to see, um, I want to encourage you with these verses. It says that it will yield its fruit in its season. 
and that its leaf does not wither. And so if you feel, you may not feel prosperous, you may feel like your leaf is withering, but I can promise you based on what God's word says, that God promises that if you are in Christ Jesus, it will not wither. You may not feel prosperous according to the world's standards, but God's word reminds you that you are blessed when you are in him. And again, church, God's greatest desire for you is that you will be made holy, that you will be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that God's going to be the one that's doing that forming. <laughs> He's going to be the one that's forming you, shaping you, molding you, planting you, watering you into a blessed person. That is his work. That is what he does, church, um, for his people. And that's not something we can make up or manufacture on our own. It doesn't work that way. And so the third question that, that, that I want us to, to ask and answer together today is, what is the way of the wicked? What is the way of the wicked? And church, this is, this is where this passage kind of ends with a warning. And frankly, these words, the, the words that are written here are actually some of, like, some of the most frightening words that you'll find in Scripture are written right here. And this, is, and, and this is what they say. They say, the wicked are not so. Not so what? Not so prosperous, according to what the Bible says. Not so blessed, right? But are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So church, unlike the righteous and blessed person mentioned above, the wicked person will be cast away like the chaff. Now, city dwellers, urban people, let me try to explain what the chaff is. Um, because I had to look it up too, all right? I didn't know. Um, in, in an agrarian society, it, it, it has to do with farming, right? Um, and, and specifically, um, harvesting and farming grain, okay? So when you harvest and farm grain, there's this part around the outside kind of of the grain that is, it, it's like a husk on the grain, and it's actually useless. It does not have any value <laughs> to what you're trying to get out of, like, out of your, out of your harvest, Right? It's the useless husk of grain, and it's actually thrown away during a process called winnowing, right? Like, it, it, it's blown away, like, out into the wind, right? Um, it would sort of fly away, and you don't really worry about it. Like, that's, that's what the chaff is, right? Um, you're trying to get the grain when you're harvesting, but there's this thing around it called the chaff, and you want to get that away, right? And so it actually would, would literally like blow away into the wind and just be gone <laughs> uh, when you do your harvesting. And so think about that. And the verse says that the chaff are, or, or, or the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Think of how that contrast, and, 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 and like if you were just to draw like one of those contrast and compare charts, like, like think of how that contrasts, right, with what you just heard about the righteous and blessed person in the previous verses. I mean, there's a pretty big difference, right? Um, instead of a, uh, one Bible scholar, he, he said it like this, so I'm going to read his quote because he says it better than I could. Um, instead of a solid tree, the wicked is a hollow shell. So we have solid tree, we have hollow shell. He doesn't produce fruit, his life is a husk. So we have a tree that bears fruit, and we have the husk. He has no roots to hold him steady and reach the water. He's blown by the wind. The wicked are rootless, weightless, useless, 
worthless. In fact, chaff is in the way. You actually have to remove it and get it out of the way to find a useful grain. In church, God's word teaches us that the wicked, unrighteous person who does not repent and does not give their life to Jesus Christ will indeed end up being driven away from the presence of God. And, 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 and you might be sitting there saying like, man, like why, like why are they driven away? Why, why, does it, why does it have to go like that? Um, they're driven away because just like, just like the chaff on grain, it doesn't belong there when you do the harvest. Um, the wicked do not belong with God's people because they did not want God as their God in their life. And so in the end, they are in fact driven out from God's presence. Um, these are people, just to be clear, who do not have a relationship with God, um, but instead live according to their own desires, their own passions, and their own sinful nature. And the Bible gives us this warning, church, because I know this is like really, I mean, these are hard words. Um, the, this isn't like, hey, I was looking for my Sunday pick-me-up, Pastor. Like, you're not doing it. Um, like, 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 that's not what this is. <laughs> um, it gives us this warning, though, because I, I get it. These are hard words. It, like, the Bible gives us this warning so that we will repent and we will turn away from our sin and that we will turn towards God instead. And so to answer our question, what is the way of the wicked? Church, the way of the wicked is no way at all. Why? The way of the wicked is no way at all because in the end, it comes to nothing. It's a road that ends in nowhere. And in the end, the wicked are left empty and they're faced, according to what the Bible says, with the awful wrath of God's judgment. And so instead of blessing, the wicked are in fact cursed. And so church, as, as we kind of move towards the end here today, I, I want you to pay attention to one more thing here in verse 6, and then I'm going to tie all this together. Um, verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Church, why are the righteous blessed? Because the Lord knows them because he knows them, and he knows their way. The wicked do not have a relationship with God, but instead they are at enmity or at odds with God. Nobody's watching over their way. There's nobody watching over their way, according to what the Bible says. And in the end, God will wipe away their way when he purges sin from the world in the new creation, in the new heavens, in the new earth. There will be no trace of the wicked left. Uh, their way will perish, just like it says in the closing words of Psalm 1. In church, that has the potential to be really bad news for us because, like I mentioned earlier, the Bible says that we're all sinners and that, and that our hearts are wicked, our hearts are evil, our hearts are deceptive, right? But I want you to hear this if you've heard nothing else I've said. I want you to hear this. The good news is that Jesus Christ was perfect. He's sinless. And he is the blessed man of Psalm 1. And he stands today to offer you, to give you the benefits of the psalm, and to take all the evil, all the wickedness, all the sin, all the shame, and all of the wrath of God. He has taken that upon himself in your place. And he says, I will make an exchange with you. <laughs> and so if you are in Christ, God knows your way. He watches over your way. He guides your way. He cares for you more than you can even comprehend. Think about the person in your life that you think cares for you the most. God cares for you more than them. 
And so, church, a lot of people out there claim to know God. A lot of people claim to know him. They say, hey, I know God, I know God, I know God. Um, but according to the scriptures, what really matters is if God knows you. Does he know you as a son or daughter? Does he know you as one who has repented and turned from your sin and turned towards him? Um, does he know you as someone who understands their need for his great grace to come into your life and to change you from the inside out? Does he know you that way? Does he watch over your way? This is what matters, church. Does God know your way? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but does he know your way? 